A scrapbook of sound, an elite ninja. That's the way it was, and that's the way it is. Bringing more ninja feet to kids. The big sick pussy job. Hello, my name's Dexter and welcome to the Ninja Tune Podcast. Every episode I'm going to be joined by a guest and then I'm going to run through a few of the hottest forthcoming Ninja releases. For this show I'm joined by Ninja legend Mr Scruff who is going to talk to us about the 10th anniversary reissue of his album Keep It Unreal and he's also going to run through a few of his top all-time Ninja Tune tracks. And after that we're going to run through some of the hottest new releases coming from the likes of Speech to Bell, The Heavy, King Cannibal, Fink and DJ Food. So stay tuned and enjoy. Enjoy. I'm joined here by Andy Carthy, also known as Mr. Scruff. Thanks a lot for coming down. Obviously, our very special guest for the Ninja Tune podcast. It's a privilege to have you down, and it should be lovely for our audience to get a little bit of a look at the early days and what was behind the recording of Keep It Unreal, that was obviously being released on Monday. Are you excited about that? Looking forward to re-release? It has been nice going back to revisit some of those tracks and... Um, yeah, you know, just some of the memories of, of working with Ninja in the late 90s and the sound of the label then, uh, which is probably more in keeping, you know, I've, I've kind of, you know, st- still kind of sort of holding on to that sound, whereas a lot of the other artists have, have gone a lot more all over the place. I seem to be the most sort of traditional Ninja left on the label, so it's it's kind of nice to revisit the roots of, of kind of where it all came from and reminiscing about, you know, sort of touring with a lot of the Ninjas in the late 90s and... Uh, a lot of the artists, I suppose like Up Bustler Now and Herbalizer and Early Roots Move and that kind of thing. Although it's a little bit indulgent to kind of look back, I thought, you know, 10 years, let's reissue the album, get it remastered. I had uh, six tracks that were recorded in the same sessions, uh, which didn't come out on the album simply because, you know, a CD's only, only so big. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's been a really good 10 years, very positive for me as an artist and as a DJ. Um, yeah, so it's a, a little cheeky milestone. I'm, I'm still very proud of that little album as well. So it's uh, yeah, good to give it a second chance. Being known for these mammoth DJ sets, did you find it difficult to bring it down to, a, to something as concise as an album? Yeah, but the, the, the two things are very different. With an album or you know, or recording music, you're creating something that people listen to again and again. Whereas with a DJ set, you're creating a one-off thing that people are enjoying collectively on a night out, and you've got to, I suppose, soundtrack people's evenings. I think with an album, you've got to, it's it's something which is a lot takes a lot longer from my point of view, you know, and kind of crafting it. But also, people are going to be hopefully listening to you know five, ten, fifteen, twenty, thirty times. It's Although it's a lot more condensed, actual you know the actual hours that people spend listening to it is probably a lot longer than yeah. a six-hour DJ set. Uh, but still, I understand what you're saying. I think when I'm wherever I'm DJing, I always try and cover a wide range of moods and emotions and kind of satisfy myself that I've kind of played everything I wanted to play. And it's the same with a, an album. You try and get cover a wide. For me, I always like to have a wide range of tempos and moods, but it's also got to feel very cohesive. I mean, it's not a strict. You know, I didn't just build in tempo and then drop and stuff like that. Sometimes there's quite abrupt changes because it's not you know, a 
a club album, the stuff that will get played in clubs, whether it's there for home listening or, or your car or whatever. And you've just got to, you know, you might have 14 tracks and you've got to arrange them in the best order that makes sense. Um, so yeah, another thing that I wanted to talk to you about was um, sort of the legacy of the album. Obviously we're looking back on a re-release of an album that came out 10 years ago. Um, so obviously there have been certain certain songs that have, that have ended up having a, more of an individual life outside of the album. Obviously Get A Move On has been used all over the place. That was kind of an entry point for me. My dad, who's an entertainer, uses it in his show. He does, I think he does his rope spinning routine to that and one of Victoria Wood's choices for Desert Island Discs and things. I just wanted to kind of ask you about what it feels like as an artist when once your record's sort of out of your hands and it's, and it's out there in the wider world. But did you see certain tracks going on to have that life? And in the studio, when you, when you put that track down in particular, do you think, right, this is, this is a really big one and this is something that other people are going to really get into? Yeah, kind of. I mean, you, I know when I was writing Get A Move On, whenever anyone came to the studio and maybe, you know, people were going to meet me and then they'd be walking down the road, they'd be whistling it after hearing it once. Like, okay, this is something here. You know, that was a single and the, and the whole point of singles with albums, it is, it, they, are, they do kind of reach out and go, right, well, this is uh, a catchy example of this artist's work. And by the way, they've got an album out if you want to hear more. You know, the singles are obviously, you know, without exception really, biggest, most instant tunes because they're like the calling cards for the album. You know, singles are little, almost little tasters or samplers, you know what I mean, in, in, in terms of the record industry. And yeah, I, I love the fact that once you release a record, it finds its way all over the world. Obviously nowadays a hell of a lot quicker than it used to do. But, you know, you, you release stuff and then, you know, 10, 15 years later you're getting stories of, oh yeah, I heard that in a bar in Mexico or whatever, and you're thinking, how the hell did that get there? And, you know, that could have gone via, you know, Chinese Whisper and five or six people to end up in some mad little shack on a beach, you know, and, and then someone else hears it and it's like, you know, that, that's some, the, the magic of music really, because it's very personal to people. Um, you know, whether it's in some mad little record shop or someone picks it up second hand or someone hears it on the radio, it's like, how did that person get to hear it and then play it to someone else who plays it to someone else, you know, with the, the, the little musical fingers reach out all over the world. But you, you were talking about getting a move on being used for your dad's, you know, show or, um, you know, it might be on Cash in the Attic or, um, you know, some MasterCard thing on the World Cup or Victoria Woods playing it on Desert Island Disc. Wicked, you know, I, I, don't, I don't make music for a particular group of people. And the fact that, you know, loads of my mates' kids really love certain tunes, especially fish and stuff like that. But then, you know, the, the fact that it appeals to like 50, 60, 70 year age range is brilliant. Because obviously some of the music in there that I've sampled is 40, 50 years old anyway. So there's obviously, um, there's, there's a very wide range of influences that I've taken and pulled together and made something uh, which in retrospect has been quite special. But then how other people receive that, you know, it's, it's like I've pulled my bits in, there you go, that's my little thing there, other people take that and get their own thing from it, you know, they might not know who I've sampled or might not even care, might not even have heard a ninja tune, I don't, yeah. you know, it's not really important, the, the thing is people engage with that tune and take what they want out of it and, and then go, get on with their life and you know, they might just whistle it occasionally or, you know, end up doing a routine to it, it you know, it's that's the fascinating thing about music and, and, and human nature and the two are very, very intertwined. Well, I think the way a lot of DJs get into making music is basically through tape editing or something like that. And, you know, with most people in the 80s, you know, you'd, you'd, you'd grab your parents' hi-fi and get another second-hand deck, get a cheap mixer from Tandy, 
and you know and do some pause button tape mixes and that's really not that different from using a sampler because you know you, you're just doing it on a budget you're copying what you hear on records but going well I've not got a sampler to make that bit repeat over and over so I'm just going to spend all day you know with a um, you know with, with two decks getting two records in time and then just repeating the same bar over and over again and you're you're crudely emulating what you hear on records and using what, what equipment you have you build up some like some ideas and I think you know as it, when you're approaching music from a you know a, a, a producer's point of view in terms of the, the modern uh, I suppose that the modern meaning of the word producer i.e. someone who's not really a musician but makes music um, those DJ techniques are going to come in anyway, and I think you, you know, if if you DJ without realising it, you get quite a lot of musical knowledge, especially with regards to, um, you know, timing and arrangements yeah. and that kind of thing. So you get you develop a sixth sense for sounds that work together, and then when you're writing music, which is essentially, you know, a collage, or you know, taking up parts of other people's music, which a lot of my early music was, then it's it's a very small leap from doing a mix to making your own tunes. Yeah. You, you're just taking smaller sections and kind of being a bit more creative and taking a bit more artistic license with it. And that's the that's the fun thing about DJing and producing. You can take the experience of DJing and your uh, your experience of how people react to stuff on the dance floor and just how you combine stuff in the spur of the moment and then the other side of the coin is how you work in the studio which is uh, you know, a, a different pace but you're essentially using the same skills and the same instincts but just um, you know, the, the, the tools are slightly different yeah. but the, the techniques you use and just the way your, your ears and your brain work and go okay well I'm going to try that on top of that you can do that in the studio we can do it live yeah, DJing came first, but making music came very soon after. But I was just using, I was doing mixes with decks and you know, adding drum machines and effects and that kind of thing. And you know, and I think when you're combining turntables and um, you know, sort of you know, drum boxes and stuff like that, it's like where does the music end and the, and the DJing begin? There's a, you know, there's a little middle ground there, which is you know, to this day still fascinates me. The kind of interface between man and machine and existing recordings and stuff that you bring to it and uh, you know it's, it's it's something which still intrigues me and you know there's pretty much endless possibility so I can, I can see it going on forever really. There is almost a genre around some of the stuff coming out on Ninja at that time. You've mentioned sort of DJ food before as somebody that you were working with and when you got involved with Ninja and you know and sort of an almost a kind of collaborative thing with those sorts of guys. You picked out a tune by DJ Food called Mr. Quick Cut the Cheese, obviously a reference to Pete Quick, I'd imagine, who's uh, the boss over here at Ninja. Uh, Mr. Quick Cuts the Cheese is a reference to the fact that uh, uh, Pete Quick, who's run Ninja for many years, used to work in the dairy industry. So, you know, he used to get called Pete Mac Cheese or, you know, the, the, the cheesemonger and all this all this stuff. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's just a very, very vibrant, sort of good, clubby, up-tempo, loads of little bits of, you know, kind of cuts in it and um, lots of stabs, quite choppy, cut up of energy, you know what I mean, and it kind of typifies the DJ food approach at the time.
after the uh, DJ food, Mr. Quick cuts the cheese. Um, another uh, real favourite of mine from the late 90s. This tune I heard after I'd been signed to Ninja Tune, but I think I heard it in uh, a record and tape exchange on Berwick Street in Soho about, yeah, it would have been when it came out, about 97, something like that. And I didn't have a clue who it was. It was just. It just really affected me. I remember listening through the racks and going, is this a new kind of music? This is quite incredible. Because it had a lot of, you know, kind of almost like slow drum and bass programming and kind of really mad pitch shifted hip hop samples um, and a mad little sample from an Isaac Hayes soundtrack. And it just, it kind of had this, the kind of melancholy edge of some electronica, maybe like some of the uh, sort of Aphex Twin stuff and um, real, real kind of wistful. Um, musical elements but then really quirky edits and programming and stuff like that which has come to typify Luke's music you know what I mean it's, it's very it's, it's very um, a very distinctive style he's a great sense of humour amazing programmer great ears you know what I mean is just the amount of stuff he's turned his hand to you know what I mean um, but this I just picked this tune specifically because I heard it with no no, not like this is a new Luke Viber track or this is on the new Ninja compilation. I just heard it. I was like, what on earth is this? And I ran up to the counter and I said, oh, bloody hell, it's my mate Luke. <laughs> it's on my label. But I did not know who it was by. And, I, you know, this, this tune really captivated me and it's something, you know, I still play it now. It's uh, definitely one of my top five Ninja tunes of all time. I think it's uh, an incredible piece of music. fan of Up Bustlin' Out, they're like a Bristol based uh, group of musicians who I think spent a lot of time in Cuba and are very into Latin music and that really comes out, I mean half their output's quite kind of breaksy but still with a very strong Latin edge and other stuff is just like straight up Latin uh, and I love the fact that I was on a label that was putting out this kind of real kind of summary um, Latin music and it was a great, as a DJ it's a really good thing to play play hip-hop tune and then play an up and out tune and then play a proper hardcore Latin tune. Yeah. Their music always had a real vibe to it. I mean, they must have done three or four albums for Ninja Tune, a lot of singles, you know. And you can tell instantly it's their music, but everything has a real um, sense of character to it. And, yeah, just a real swing and a real lightness of touch that was, um, you know, I think really stood out on the label at the time. And it was good that it wasn't all just kind of beardy, pale pro programmers <laughs> making quirky instrumental hip-hop, you know, you had some proper musicians out there as well, and, and that kind of 
I presumably came a little bit full circle because of all the all the kind of Latin and Afrobeat stuff that Cold Cut were into, you know, sort of 10, 15 years earlier. So it, it was very kind of, I suppose, an overt reflection of the musical influences of the founders of the label, which yeah. I think is also very important. And same again, I still play their records to this day and I still get people coming up going, what on earth is this, you know what I mean? So it's a, you know, a testament to the power of the music. Bustling out, Coco Congo. We're moving on to Andy's next choice now, which is a song called Seed Pod by Home Life, taken from their 2002 album on Ninja called Flying Wonders. What was it that made you really jump on this one as well? This one was sort of obviously from slightly later following the release of yours. It's just same again, one of my favourite Ninja releases. Um, it originally came out on a, a label called Mad Waltz. Uh, I mean, the, the main guy from Home Life is a guy called Paddy Steer. He used to be the bassist in um, a band called Yago in the 80s, who were very influential. Um, kind of a bit like ACR, but a, f- a few years later, you know, quite a sort of solely. You know, kind of a bit jazzy and, and rocky, but quite difficult to pigeonhole. You could tell their influences, but what they actually came out with was quite unique. And Paddy, ever since then, he's always been um, a real maverick. He's into an incredible range of music. And him and his band, I mean, Home Life at their peak, were like a 12 or 15-piece band. Um, and, you know, just the fun they were having on stage was ridiculous. And, and the talent of their... Of of the musicians and and singers as well. You know, you had cellos, you had all sorts of crazy percussion, bass, mad synths, opera singing, everything. Partly a kind of real cacophony, but beautifully arranged as well. And I think it's, you know, the same again is the very singular vision of the the members of the band. Whenever you heard something, it was, you could tell it was home life, you could tell it was their involvement, but everything was like nothing you ever heard before. I remember the first time I heard that tune and I was like, this is one of the best things I've ever heard, you know what I mean? And I still think that, and it's, you know, same again, not enough people have heard that. Um, I'll stop waffling and let's have a listen to it.
And his next choice is The Poet's Rhythm, Smiling When You're Crying. What would you like to say about that one? Same again, I mean, the, these, the Poet's Rhythm are like a German funk band, but, you know, they're very good at playing very orthodox funk and have been doing it for a long time before it came trendy. They were, they were kind of doing it from the early 90s, really. Thanks a lot for that. It's given us a real idea of sort of a, a, a bit of the heritage of Ninja and, and really good to have a window into the stuff that you really like from the label over the years as well. Um, so yeah, a, a couple of last things that I wanted to ask you about. I don't think any interview with Mr. Scruff would be complete without a, a talking about your artwork and B, your tea. And I think we can probably tie them together because the iconography of your tea brand um, is obviously based around the, the sort of artwork that you do. Um, yeah, I've been... Um, well, this is... This is kind of ties in with the 10th anniversary thing because the night I do in Manchester mm. keep it unreal that's where we started selling tea and basically we had a you know it's, it, it was and still is in a sweaty basement venue in Manchester with a little foyer area which isn't really suitable for a second DJ or whatever it's just like where you come in and put your coats in and the toilets are there but right well let's just have a little get some tables and chairs out and sell tea and then about seven years later after doing the same thing taking my club night on tour and that kind of thing and it going really well. It's like, well, we'll do a tea shop with a big chill. And we did that for a few years and then thought, well, why don't we just make our own tea? You know what I mean? Because some of the tea we were getting hold of wasn't actually that good. One year it would be great and the next year it would be bad. So it's like, well, if we want to maintain a good supply of tea, we may as well do it ourselves. We've proved we can sell thousands of cups of tea a month for various gigs. So there must be a demand for it, you know. It's outside, including, but also, you know, in addition to the people who come to the club nights. Um, so yeah, we started doing the doing the tea thing and it's, yeah, I've been doing it for about two years now properly and it's, yes, it's in Selfridges and Whole Foods and Fresh and Well and loads of kind of, you know, sort of health food shops and a few supermarkets as well. So it's, yeah, it's quite odd. I didn't expect to be doing this. You know, if you asked me 10 years ago, would I have my own tea company? I'd be like, shut up, you're mad. But um, yeah, it's, it's a, I quite like the randomness of how it began as well. Yeah. It's like, yeah, let's do some tea in a club and that just took off. And people, over the years, I just became, you know, in, people think Mr. Scruff and tea. So, well, well I'll, I'll make some tea. And now half the people who buy it are people who, who know what the script is. And everyone, you know, other people are like, Mr. Who, but this tea's nice. <laughs> so that, that, that's cool as well, you know what I mean? And I think nowadays, especially with all the downloads and stuff, it's like, you know, Technology hasn't got to the stage yet where you can download tea bags. Excellent. So, you know, at least, um, you know, even if uh, uh, people don't make as much of a living from making music, there's still the uh, beverage half of it to kind of, <laughs> you know, keep it, keep it float. <laughs> Lovely. Indeed. Well, thank you so much for coming down. As we say, the 10th anniversary reissue of Keep It Unreal, the classic, actually, no, not allowed to call it a classic yet, but the future classic Ninja Tune album, Keep It Unreal, is released on the 29th of June. Um, so make sure you get your hands on it. As we said, they're... they're there's extra material that didn't make the cut 
in the original, um, not through it being in any way poorer. Um, the album's the poorer for not having it on, so please come and check it out. Yeah, it's all, it's all, yeah, there's, there's two CDs. Uh, the first one's the original album remastered, but some of the tracks, like the full 12 inch ones, and then the uh, the second CD is loads of rubbish which didn't get released originally. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you very much, Andy, and uh, good luck with it all. Thank you. are now going to kick off part two following on from that chat with Andy with our top five Ninja Tune tracks coming out in July this year our first track comes from the undisputed Ninja Tune Lady of the Year it's uh, Speech to Bell who obviously has had a fantastic year so far her debut album Speech Therapy came out beginning of June and um, yeah the next single taken from that is going to be Better Days which features Mika Chu it's released on the 27th of July on Big Dad here it is Better Days enjoy look I'm slowly building up a savings every day although it's hard to save when you're getting low pay I stop shorting so my days are kind of quiet I quite like it they're less violent with less lights I put in extra effort change up the gear when I'm I got the stars up and I'm staring them I'm staying clear with them Yeah, you know who I'm talking about It's unnecessary for their name to leave my mouth Look, words are power so I manifest the form Everything I think is what I thought And everything I thought is what I feel Everything I feel is who I am A woman with nothing's ruined Yeah, I got a half cup of hope and I'm sipping slow No more standing on that road, that shit is old I got no time for time, wasting time It's precious, I only got time for studio sessions now That was Better Days by Speech to Bell featuring Mika Chu out on the 27th of July through Big Dada. And moving on from that, we've got another really, really big hope of ours. It's uh, the band of the Heavy, and it's their new single, 16, which will be out on the 13th of July on Counter, and it's taken from their album The House That Dirt Built, which is out in September. I saw her dance with devil, and he was wearing my shoes. Black and white Jordan Levin And she was looking for a blue Now she looked just like heaven But her, her mind ring a bell Now I know I shouldn't be telling But I guess, I guess if you know her well She's the kind of girl she can't That was The Heavy with their new single, 16, which is due out on the 13th of July on Counter Records. Taken from the debut album, The House That Dirt Built, which will be released in September. Coming up next on the Ninja Tune podcast, we have the new record by King Cannibal, which is called So Embrace the Minimum, taken from the new King Cannibal album, Let the Night Roll, which will be out on the 17th of August via Ninja Tune Records. Thank you. 
So that was the beautiful dark sounds of King Cannibal with the new single So Embrace the Minimum, which is out on the 17th of August on Ninja Tune Records. And moving on to that, we couldn't really be going much further afield and still stay within the Ninja Canon. The next track we've got coming up is, uh, is the new one from Fink, which has got a bit of a hint of the Jeff Buckley about it. Um, the new single is called Sort of Revolution, and this is the Cinematic Orchestra remix, which is due out on the 13th of July by Ninja Tune Records. Come so far, feel so real. All this time, waiting for who we are. podcast with his new single sort of revolution and that was the cinematic orchestra remix of that they're out on the 13th of july on ninja tune records and now moving on to the final choice we've got dj food's new one colors beyond colors it's due out on the 6th of july through ninja tune records when i would take the mountain far away my sense of sight was so intense that i could see colors beyond colors it was as if it was a multicolored living raining, 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 At the upper end of the electromagnetic spectrum is energy of short wavelength and very high frequency. Gamma rays, X-rays, and ultraviolet rays. Next comes the band of energy we can see, with violet light at the high energy end, then down through blue, green, yellow, orange, and red at the low frequency end. Below the red, we can again no longer see the energy, but we feel the energy as heat as heat. Energy of the electromagnetic spectrum is silent, and so is space. Unless we translate that energy into sound, imagine that we could hear the energy all along the spectrum, from high energy gamma rays 
to low energy radio waves and back again and back again. So that was the final track of the Ninja Tune podcast. And that was DJ Food with his song Colours Beyond Colours, taken from the new album One Man's Weird is, an, is Another Man's World, which is out on the 6th of July through Ninja Tune Records. Thanks very much for downloading this, sitting, listening to it. I really hope enjoying it. Also, don't forget to tune in to the Big Dada podcast and also the wonderful Solid Steel podcast. So, yeah, thanks very much for listening. I've been Dexter, and also a big thanks to Andy, who was on earlier, and all the artists featured, and also to Darren Knight, who's produced it. Thanks, and keep it ninja.